Welcome to coffeeis.me podcast, where me means you, or more precisely, us. This is the show where your host, Valerian, without using any interrogation techniques, convinces coffee professionals to reveal their secrets to teach and inspire you to make better coffee and earn a few bucks on the side, if that's what you fancy. Let the show begin. Happy International Coffee Day! Hooray for another made-up holiday! But at least, it's ours! <laughs> Welcome to Coffees.me podcast, I'm your host Valerian Hrala. So what is the deal here? Are we supposed to give each other presents on this day? Dressing costumes? Have a multi-course feast? Perhaps all of it? In any case, I hope you had a great one. I celebrated with a nice juicy Panamania lot, prepared in Chemex, and I enjoyed it in my favorite mug I got from my wife many, many years ago. If you want to see how it looks like, check out my Instagram page, valerian underscore coffee. You can find a link to this and other social media I use on my website, coffeeis.me. Here is my plan for the next episode. I decided to use slightly templated format. There are many examples of great and famous podcasts where this works, because the questions might be similar but the story is always different. This also means that we might speed up a little bit and we might have an episode every week. Let's see where this takes us. If you don't like it, just let me know. And if you like it, let me know too. I need to know. I also plan to ask questions I get from you via our Facebook group, coffeeis.me. I already used some of your questions in one of the upcoming episodes. If you want to suggest a question for an episode or you want to be a part of our discussion, just join our Facebook group coffeeis.me. The easiest way how to do it is go to coffeeis.me website. On the top menu you will find community, click on it, it will take you to the group and apply and I will most likely approve you. <laughs> I'm still obsessively collecting those iTunes reviews and Stitcher reviews, so please keep posting them and let me know what you think about this show, it really helps me to know. As always, one of you will be rewarded with a Bootcamp Barista membership. Bootcamp Barista is our online education for baristas. These episode winners I will announce at the end of the show. In this episode, we will say goodbye to Gwilym. It was a long but very educational run. For this episode, I collected few thoughts I edited out from the previous episodes. I did not want to miss what Gwilym has to say about roasting, uh, roaster and barista relations, brewing and roasting consistency, coffee evaluation, and much, much more. So, first the message from our sponsor, and then enjoy the last episode with William Davis. This show is brought to you by Bootcamp Coffee, online education for coffee roasters and professionals. Subscribe to bootcampcoffee.com today and unlock the quality of your coffee. I stopped to discuss espresso on Slovak forums because I got tired of that. But, you know, we have these, like, if you over-extract espresso, you're extracting poisons. <laughs> I don't know what poisons. I, I don't know. I'm not a chemist. I'm not a doctor. Yes. But obviously they are, so. Yeah. Maybe, maybe with some of the, the, the roasting, uh, you, you are starting to extract lots of poisons if it's really, really dark. Hey, you're pointing fingers at me? But it's... No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying that in Europe we tend to go a little bit lighter, but... Uh, no, I'm a light guy, no uh, worries. Generally, I don't like the dark side of things, but I have tasted well-roasted 
darker coffees than I would normally have that have tasted amazing. I'd be curious to try it. I had one very dark roast recently, uh, which was bearable for me. It was very interesting because I read. Really I mean, I have to drink dark roast when I am at, at airports. I mean, the Starbucks. Oh, yeah, yeah, airports. But this guy is built his own roaster. Uh, he's not far away from me in Santa Rosa. I never saw that roaster, but he invited me. I just didn't have a chance to go. It's a, a fluid bed roaster, but he took, yeah. like, he went nuts with the whole design. And um, that dark roast was the best I ever had in a dark world. Still not my cup of uh, coffee, but yeah. you can go there. Shall I carry? And do you know one thing that I've been quietly uh, amazed at? I saw your coffee. We had some samples. And um, it was on the cupping table. And we always do the cupping with uh, trainees because I'd love to get their opinion. And uh, I was looking at yours and grinding it and going, they've underdeveloped it. Oh, this will be terrible. And then I tasted it and it was absolutely fine. Completely balanced, sweet, uh, underpinning some complex acidity, no bitterness, Full, intense flavor, fantastic on the cupping table. So I must tell you, uh, well done. Because when I looked at it, I went, ah, I can't. no, 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 it's underdeveloped. Thank but you no, so much. You'd managed to go light and developed it, it's, which is, is, is like new for roasters these days. Yeah, it's, it's Peter. I have to give the credit to Peter. I mean, he's using the stuff what we teach here in California at Boot Coffee you know, how to do these light roasts, right? Because, you know, uh, nowadays, the I call it the Swedish-style roasting when they roast it for seven minutes, very fast. And that has a lot of these uh, acids, these kind of uh, raw chlorogenic uh, acids. And that's that's when it tastes really, like, undeveloped to me. Some people love that. I mean, you will not believe how many people crave that kind of taste. But I agree with you that, you know, it has to. you have to give it time and it's not easy to do a good light roast. It's not hard either. You just have to pay attention. You have to experiment. You have to find your own roast profiles. What I tend to do these days is we do a cupping and we take a solubility mm. uh, test. So we use a refractometer and uh, we taste. And it's like, okay, that coffee is really soluble. Yeah, it's a filter roast. Tell you what, that's going to be our coffee this week on espresso. Because for some reason, we've been tasting espresso roasts and some espresso roasts are not as soluble, even though they're darker, as some of the lighter uh, filter roasts. Huh, I never measured this. See, I'm, I'm totally... That's a good point. I should start doing that, measuring the so solubility. Huh. Because, of course, if, the solu if it's got a high solubility, then there's more chance of it extracting with less water as espresso. And... It, I mean, it's difficult to take the measurement if you want to kind of refer to and yourself, but you, you can almost do it by taste as well. No, no, we get, I mean, it's easy to get a refractometer nowadays. I mean, and you know, a, f a tip for uh, cheap steaks like me, you can actually use the wine refractometer with the right scale and you can oh. do a calculation. What do you think about that? Okay, I've never done it. Okay. Never done it. I don't know how accurate is it. I know just some people use it. And because I'm not yeah. a barista, I don't pay that much attention to that. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm a barista and I have struggled okay. with espresso for so long that I just, as soon as the refractometer came on, we jumped on it. And to start with, we thought that 
espresso was fundamentally flawed and then we worked through it and after a couple of years three years later we went ah you just put a little bit more water through it's very 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 interesting is uh, the future with the solubility of coffee the idea of not sharing is crazy for business because our industry is tiny the, the my customer base is really small and I definitely want to increase it. And if I can increase the customer base by helping another business to increase their customer base, then that's fine because if theirs increases by 2% and mine increases by 1% or 3%, then that's great. I went to the, the Lavazza factory, saw just how much they were roasting and sending out, and it was like, oh, my God. The, the specialty coffee industry can survive on the scraps, the 1% from what they're selling. It's remarkable. It's a very interesting fact what you say about Lavazza. I was just writing an article for Standard. If you have the new English Standard. They're, there is... No, they're, but they're such nice guys. So there is, I have the article there made in the United States. And everybody talks about the specialty market and Starbucks, you know, as a big giant. But nobody realizes Starbucks has only 3% of the United States what? market, only 3%. The wow. rest is Folgers and old like Maxwell yeah. House and all these giant, you know. So specialty world, United States, it's like, you can't even put a percentage on that. Uh, people can make business with coffee with tiny, tiny, tiny fractions. Yeah, there is no point being angry with each other or competing for each other's customers because the market is massive and our market is just developing. I mean, the, the rest of the market is fearful about us. Oh, yeah. And what oh, we're yeah. doing is <clears throat> fighting each other. It's pathetic. You said about the non-consistency in, in a roasting. You know, if you do yeah. artisanal roasting, it's extremely hard to achieve 100% consistency. No, because no, it's, it's like I'm cooking. Just... It's like, you know, yes. the chef will not put the same steak out twice. And we have to be honest about that. You know, that's almost impossible. Roasters have to be honest that they are they are roasting on machines that are not temperature stable. And the, the product they're roasting is not stable either. It changes. Exactly. I mean, the green bean is changing. Everything is changing. Yeah. Like in the past, the baristas used to think that there was something going wrong. It was like, is it me? And all day you're trying to make a really good coffee. And, and you, you believe in your roaster. And then now it's like, Oh, no, it's okay. We, we have machines that are temperature stable, pressure stable. It's like we trust them. I can make three coffees and go, nah, don't like this coffee. It's not working. It's fine. Uh, roasters. Roasters haven't, haven't been able to do that yet. I mean, they do not have temperature stable machines. They do not have a stable product at all. I think the, the best thing that roasters can do is, is create a relationship with the barista. And, and work with them. To protect the roasters, I have to do that. The, I think the roasting machines are temperature stable, but it's very hard to control them. It's not like, you know, yeah, you know, it's a big machine, right? And while oh, you as okay. a barista, you can do something like three espressos and give out the best one, you still spend, if you do 20 grams dosage, you still use 60 grams of coffee. But man, if you dump a, a coffee from a UG22, which we do, by the way, yes. we do dump coffees, yes. that's 22 kilos of coffee, you know? Yep. So, I'm absolutely fully understanding of that. I think baristas really need to understand that 
we need to have a business model that works. And you cannot dump 15, 20, 60 kilos of coffee. It's like, it is good coffee. You have to work with it. Whether it's used in the training center, if it's really bad, just for latte art, or you can use it for a cappuccino. It's fine. Or maybe it just happens to be, it works for filter or something. You can work with it as long as you have a relationship with the roaster. I hate the baristas that dismiss immediately roasts. I get you. I mean, and, I agree with you. There has to be honest, you know, relation and you have to be open about your uh, what you do and what happened. If we do mess up a roast, like we are really not happy with it. We make other people happy, like, you know, uh, the old folks house, you know, we have yes. this thing, or something yeah. like that, which is still much better. It's still much better than any, you know, like mass produced coffee. Yes. Yeah. But we cannot, let's say, sell it to Urban House because we know those baristas are not stupid. You know, they know what they expect from us. We have, we have to treat yeah. them that way. Yeah. But if they have a training session, then it's perfect. You don't have to be perfect. You have to have a quality standard that it has to be above. At Proofrock, we use the sensory score sheet for the WBC. Anything below a three, we will not serve for espresso. 3.5 is where we dial in at. Now, if we can achieve a four, that's amazing. So we have a standard. And so if the roast is producing fours all the time, that's amazing. But if it drops to a three, it's like, well, that's okay. That's within our standard and we can accept it. And we understand that the roaster, maybe for some reason, it went to minus five. It was damn good. I don't really use the cupping forms because therefore people buying green coffee or assessing roast. And I'm just wanting to know what to serve in the cafe. So we just, for me, I'm still on smiley faces. If it, if it works and and also i like to use the trainees to see what they like i love it so you, that you said that you use smileys so william davies the world barista champion and the star using smileys because that's awesome you know if you don't want to use the whole complicated cupping form don't but do do make some notes and do make sure you test your coffee. I, I know because the cupping forms sometimes are intimidating. So a lot of roasters don't use mm. them. They go like, oh, mm. this is too much. You know, it's like, it's very yeah. hard. Well, then start with something else. Make just notes, you know, but cupping is important, I think. I don't worry about flavor too much. I think people put too much emphasis on flavor. And the, the bags of coffee, and they talk about flavor and chocolate and things I've never heard of. <laughs> and... Uh, Really, I'm interested in taste balance. Okay. Uh, I do look for some funkiness because uh, I know that that's my customers like, you know. So if I have, let's say Kenyan, sometimes I pick something which is totally crazy. Normally, I would not drink it every day, but it's kind of interesting on a cupping table because people look for that. But I do love a good balanced coffee for everyday coffee. Everything is just in good harmony because these funky coffees many times are out of harmony, right? That's why they are funky, you know, like if you have so much blackberries or, or black currants so you, your brain spins you know so you go like Ooh. so we have one now and i'm not sure if you can make that on espresso because you probably go crazy with the acidity so well thank you so much uh, this you. was excellent man this is a lot of great information far uh, too much no it's you know as i said i cut it up into different parts Good. and i make it maybe even a little tidbit uh from it and this is what we want. This is what, what I want. I want that people get all this amazing information. I think there's nothing wasted here. So, what do you think? 
I really love this experience to talk to William. I learned so much from these three episodes. So I'm pumped. I'm really happy. Thank you, William, so much. And you can thank him too, uh, or any of our other guests. Uh, you can find them on Twitter. You can find them on Facebook. Just say hi and tell them thank you. Thank you for all your reviews on iTunes and Stitcher. And I would like to reward three of you with Bootcamp Barista Membership. And the three names are Tomano Surfdog, Brandon90, and TVORSRO. Uh, TVOR is from Great Britain, but uh, it's SRO, which in Slovak means a limited liability company. I wonder if I know this guy. Anywho, thank you for listening, and you can also leave your reviews on iTunes or Stitcher. I'll be very grateful. And we will have another episode very, very soon because this was a short one. So, talk to you soon. Bye.